This episode is also brought to you by Oddmo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Candy, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. <laughs> With an old maid daughter that make the best moonshine in the coast. <laughs> if it would hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. It, it, it... I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to Now Hear This Canby. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Clausen, and this is what's happening this week in our community. It's the end of an era on the corner of Holly and North 2nd Avenue as Canby's beloved family-run downtown coffee shop, Gwen's, announced plans to close its doors permanently at the end of March. And one thing's for sure, downtown Canby will never be the same. During the last five years, we have met some of the finest people we could possibly imagine, owner Mallory Gwen said in a January 21st Facebook video. Wrapped in trust and trustworthiness, you have become family to us. However, as you know in life, all things eventually do come to a close, and this is that time for Gwen's Coffee House. Even in downtown Canby where mom and pop still tends to be the rule rather than the exception, Gwen's was a uniquely family-run operation. Mallory and his wife, Sherry, were both fixtures at the downtown cafe, while four of their five daughters, Tori, Leona, Madison, and Alyssa, also worked there full-time. I want to acknowledge our girls and how much we love them, and how much they've given of themselves over the last almost six years, Gwen said. Having a family business is not always easy, but they made it worth the work. While a closing date has not yet been announced, Gwen said the shop will not renew its lease at the end of March. The family plans to sell the business, including its recipes and equipment, and offer ongoing support as needed to new owners. It is our desire to sell the business to someone who is ready to take the business and actually take it to the next level, he said. We know that this would be a great opportunity for the right person. So please, if you know somebody, send them our way. Gwen said he plans to retire and return to his favorite hobbies, gardening chef among them, while the rest of the family will take some time off to evaluate their next steps. 
He thanked the community for their support, including during the brutal early months of COVID-19. Gwen's opened on January 2018 in the former location of the Place to Be Cafe and Judson Roy Home Furnishings and quickly established itself as the community's default meeting place for personal and professional gatherings, or as Gwen preferred to think of it, Camby's living room. Countless community and church groups, whether official organizations or informal groups of longtime friends and acquaintances, have made it their second home over the years, which is all the Gwens ever really wanted. I think back to our early days of planning and wanting to create a space of community, Gwen said in closing. I feel if we've done anything right, I think we got that one right. The Camby Center, a faith-based, service-oriented nonprofit serving local youth and families, has launched a 90-day, $800,000 fundraising campaign that will allow the organization to complete the most significant expansion in its history and enable them to serve the growing needs in Camby, now and for decades to come. This campaign will make it possible to renovate and more than triple the center's existing space on Southwest 2nd Avenue, adding 11,000 square feet for food distribution, classrooms, a job center, offices, and more. It will also open the door to expanding its highly successful Thriving Together program, launching a new youth mentoring program and deepening partnerships with other organizations that are also serving the Camby community. This campaign really is so much more than raising a building, Steve Nelson, development director for the Camby Center explained. The long-term impact that we are expecting to make has to do with alleviating poverty in Camby, and this new facility is going to allow us to do a much bigger and better job of that in our community. To date, the Camby Center has raised more than $7 million for the project, nearly 90% of its total campaign goal of $8 million. Nelson says the center receives generous support from a diverse network of churches, businesses, organizations, and individual donors. Significant grant support, including a $600,000 award from the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust and a $1.125 million grant from the state of Oregon, has created major momentum towards seeing the campaign goal met. However, the majority of contributors to the Camby Center's campaign, more than 60%, are individual donors. These folks who have compassion for our community, Nelson said, they love what we are doing and they want to support it. I think it shows that we are making a difference here and those who see that want to help. And they know that their dollars are well stewarded here. We make the most of the gifts that are given and they have an immediate impact on our community. This final public phase of the campaign will involve broadly sharing the center's vision for the building expansion and the positive impact it will make on the community in the coming decades, Nelson said. They also hope to use the campaign as a springboard to bring their model of empowering dignity, restoring poverty alleviation to other communities. To learn more about the Canby Center's planned expansion and capital campaign, visit 
thecanvycenter.org slash building. After a successful debut at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds and Events Center in 2022, a 10-year anniversary celebration that was 12 years in the making thanks to COVID, Hairfest, the mother of all tribute band festivals, will be back for its 11th iteration in July 2023. That's right, it goes to 11. A reference to This is Spinal Tap, the cult 1984 mockumentary film about fictional English hair band, which Hairfest co-founder and co-owner Jason Feldman says organizers plan to lean into heavily in promoting this year's festival. Spinal Tap is very popular with the Hairfest crowd, Feldman said with a laugh. Even if they don't know the film really well, you can say it goes to 11 and they'll get the joke. They'll even know where it comes from. Spinal Tap will also be woven into the fabric of the festival with None More Black, a tribute to the titular band from the film, which will perform at the newly revamped kickoff party on Thursday, July 13th, along with 80s hit band Radical Revolution. Other acts returning to Hairfest this year or coming for the first time include tributes to Queen, Journey, Pink Floyd, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, ACDC, Heart, Led Zeppelin, The Eagles, Motley Crue, Foreigner, Boston, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Van Halen, Blondie, Fleetwood, Mac, Ozzy Osbourne, Steve Miller Band, and more. This will be Hairfest's second year at the fairgrounds, which includes an expansive overnight area for RVs and tents, including a collection of highly sought-after glamping sites surrounding the rodeo area, which includes an expansive overnight area for RVs and tents, including a collection of highly sought-after glamping sites surrounding the rodeo arena. Overnight guests will also have the option of staying Thursday for the new kickoff bash. Other new additions include Saturday night's headline closeout with a special multimedia-infused set from Pigs on the Wing, the highly acclaimed Pink Floyd tribute act, and a reworking of the festival layout that will make both the main stages the same size and place them side by side. Fellman says this change was intended to address some of the congestion that would occur when festival goers had to pivot to different stages between sets last year. We've always felt that, especially with something like Hairfest, every band is a headliner, Fellman said. Every band is worthy to be on stage. And that impacts the customer experience too, because now every band is having the main stage level of production. Even the third stage, located behind the fairgrounds main pavilion in what Hairfest calls Hippie Hollow, will be the same size as last year's main stage, Fellman added. Last year's popular fast bar wristband payment system will now be expanded to include food vendors in addition to drinks and merchandise, Fellman said, creating a virtually cashless experience at Hairfest. And all overnight spaces will be reservation only this year, not just RV spaces, with a variety of sizes to accommodate vans, campers, and rooftop tents. Hairfest 11 will return to Clackamas County Fairgrounds and Event Center in Camby on July 14th and 15th. Tickets are now available at hairfest.com tickets. Hairfest is a 21 and over event. For more information, including a full festival lineup and venue map, visit hairfest.com.
The Clackamas Fire District Board of Directors on Monday night voted unanimously to refer a five-year emergency service levy to voters on the May 2023 ballot. District officials told the board the levy reflects the community's needs based on increased wildfire risk, a growing county population, and the effort to implement national best practices. If passed, the levy would fund 62 additional firefighters directly address increased wildfire risk and invest in quick response vehicles. I am grateful to the board of directors for their support and willingness to refer this important levy to the May 2023 ballot, said Clackamas Fire Chief Nick Brown. This levy will allow Clackamas Fire District to hire more firefighters, fight wildfires, and invest in equipment that will improve response times. Officials pointed to a survey conducted in November by DHM Research, which shows district-wide support for the proposed levy after voters learned what it would fund. The chief and members of the leadership team have done their due diligence to ensure this is a robust, safety-driven levy, said Director Chris Hogg, who participated in developing the levy. It's clear everyone has made a concentrated effort to evaluate Clackamas Fire District's future needs, conduct, community outreach, and ensure that the levy remains affordable. If passed, the five-year emergency services levy would provide annual funding of $14.5 million at a cost of $0.52 cents per $1,000 of assessed value, the equivalent of about $138 per year for the average Clackamas Fire District homeowner. Officials said levy funds would be used to hire additional firefighters and res first responders in all parts of the district to help prevent dangerous wildfires from spreading and ensure fast responses to medical emergencies. Clackamas Fire District conducted extensive community engagement and outreach efforts over the last three months, including three community forums and an open house where district leaders spoke to hundreds about the proposed levy. Clackamas Fire District also conducted a community survey that evaluated priorities and asked for comments about the potential levy, with the intent to provide all community members the opportunity to provide feedback. To learn more about the proposed levy, visit Clackamas Fire District website at clackamasfire.com. Dennis Denny Doyle, the former Beaverton mayor and city councilor for more than 25 years, was sentenced to federal prison this week for illegally possessing child pornography. Doyle, 74, was sentenced to six months in federal prison and five years of supervised release. Doyle was also ordered to pay $22,000 in restitution to his victims. According to court documents, the Beaverton Police Department in January 2022 was notified by a local business that a USB thumb drive containing possible child pornography had been found. The business provided the thumb drive to law enforcement and investigators confirmed that it did contain child pornography, court records show. 
Additionally, the drive contained personal photographs that appeared to belong to Doyle, according to police. Law enforcement also determined the images of child pornography were downloaded onto the thumb drive between November 2014 and December 2015, while Doyle was serving as mayor of Beaverton. After the Beaverton Police Department referred the case to the FBI, special agents from the FBI's Portland's Child Exploitation Task Force contacted Doyle at his home. Doyle reportedly admitted to agents that the drive was his and that he had personally downloaded child pornography from his home computer. No further evidence of child pornography was located on Doyle's digital devices, according to the FBI. In March of 2022, Doyle was charged with one count of possession of child pornography, and he pleaded guilty to the same charge in October. Doyle, who was also a certified teacher and sports coach in Beaverton, including coaching softball and soccer for Valley Catholic High School, served as a Beaverton City Councilor for 14 years before being elected mayor in 2008. A Democrat, Doyle was involved in a number of climate change and environmental issues during his three terms as mayor before being defeated by progressive challenger Lacey Beattie in the November 2020 runoff. Federal law defines child pornography as any visual depiction of sexually explicit conduct involving a minor. FBI Portland's Child Exploitation Task Force conducts sexual exploitation investigations, many of them undercover, in coordination with federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies. Anyone who has information about the physical or online exploitation of children is encouraged to call the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI or submit a tip online at tips.fbi.gov. taking stock, a time for self-reflection, a time for change, at least for most of us, but not for direct link. You see, while many New Year's resolutions tend to revolve around change, direct links is to stay the same and to continue to provide the same exceptional member experience and quality reliable service that they've been providing for nearly 120 years. In fact, in 2021 and again in 2022, over 92% of DirectLink subscribers said they would recommend our local communications cooperative services to someone else. That's pretty impressive compared to other internet providers on the West Coast, which average just 70% in customer satisfaction rating. Today, more than 8 out of every 10 DirectLink members have been converted to a fiber connection, the most advanced method of internet data delivery available. This technology positions Canby for the future and supports lightning fast download and supersonic upload speeds, low latency for online gaming, bandwidth for multiple video streams, and crystal clear voice calls. For more information or to subscribe to our local communications cooperative services, visit www.directlink.coop internet or give them a call at 503-266-8111. 
On the Cami Conversation today, we're excited to be talking once again with Todd and Tessa Cook, the owners of TMK Creamery. Hey guys, how are you? Hi. Good, how you doing? Good to talk to you. Awesome. Yeah, so glad to talk to you guys. As always, love TMK. It is, uh, as a cheese lover, it is my Disney World right here in Canby, just outside of town. Uh, love what you guys do. Uh, for maybe folks that um, haven't been by in a while or, or maybe have uh, uh, unfortunately never visited, if you haven't, uh, definitely get out there. But tell us a little bit about what, what TMK is and what happens out there. Uh, TMK Creamery. So TMK uh, started as a 4-H project, my 4-H project when I was 12 years old. Um, <laughs> it uh, ended up being a dairy farm that uh, my family and siblings all got involved with. Um, and then we ended up going um, vertical with uh, on-site creamery in uh, 2016 and started making cheese and ice cream mm-hmm. um, from that process. Uh, and then we opened the, the doors for agritourism to, I guess, um, give an opportunity for people to come out and see uh, real ag production, um, see, how, see how our cows live, see how, uh, I guess I shouldn't... Uh, refer to them as the cow liberties, see how they live. And uh, when Tessa's right and, there, you should, right? <laughs> the, yeah. the marketing guru. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, really, we wanted to be an asset for the community, a uh, real resource for people to be able to, to see um, real ag production. Um, and if they had questions to uh, be um, uh, a good place for those conversations to start and to uh, try and answer all the questions that, that people have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you guys do such a great job with that. I actually want to hear a little bit more, but but first want to go back to Todd, you weren't being sort of flippant or figurative when you said this started as your uh, childhood 4-H project. Um, is it all the cows or at least some of the cows, uh, the cow celebrities, excuse me, Tessa, um, that are still part of the operation are descendants of your original, um, your original cow that you had when you were 12? Sure. No, there's there's a, a few of them that are yeah. um, that are just uh, eight, nine, ten generation descendants from the original heifer that I bought when I was twelve. Yeah. Um, the other ones are just uh, you know our other pedigrees, you know. So um, yeah. What breed? We- uh, mainly Holsteins, okay. um, but we technically have four breeds. So Holsteins, red and white Holsteins, uh, Jerseys, and Brown Swiss. Awesome. Sorry, Tessa. Were you going to say something? Oh, I just wanted to add to what, you know, about TMK. We just love investing in TMK's hometown, Canby. And so we love it when people can come out during our public hours, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, meet Mm -hmm. their celebrities, especially our junior celebrities. Our barns are always open to the public when we're open. We have a food truck, we have ice cream, we have cocktails from our alcohol that we'll talk about, I'm sure. But it's just, um, we love to be a tool for the community, come and see ag production, um, live i guess yeah. it is we yeah. love for uh f- kids all the folks to come out and just enjoy themselves that's what tmk was uh put here to do so please yeah. come out yeah yeah and that is that's perfect that is something i wanted to ask you more about because you know i've known you and your your family for a few years now i've talked to you many times i've been out there uh many times um i, I know and i see the level of um effort and uh, intensity that you bring to the different aspects, to your cheese making, to to the creamery, to uh, the agricultural side of it. Um, 
what you do as far as education is not always something that is part of agricultural operations. That's something that you kind of add on and do special. Why is that so important to you to make that uh, a, a, a component to really, as you say, invite the public, really see all aspects of what we do? Why do you think that's so critical? Well, I think I think the main thing is that um, is to give giving people a platform or give people a platform to start conversation. You know, I mean, people have questions about what happens because it's not something that they see every day and it's a new concept, you know, so it's new. So, I mean, and, and, and we want to make it a place that's comfortable for those conversations to be had and, and answer questions uh, that people have to, um, you know, to why we do the things we do to create milk um, why we do the things that we do to milk to create cheese and ice cream and all that. And, and really, you know, when it all boils down to, it all comes back to the Cal Liberty. I mean, she has to be comfortable. She mm-hmm. has to be living her best life mm-hmm. to make a quality product, you know, all the way through, whether yeah. that be milk, cheese, ice cream, or even alcohol. I mean, you've got to have her doing the things that she wants to do. And And I think part of that is, showing that is way easier than telling people and then gives an opportunity to foster some, some opportunities for conversations. So I think that's the main thing is we want to have conversation with our end consumer. We want people to be comfortable in asking questions and um, really promoting um, ag and, 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 and for us, it's the cow. I mean, she's really the hero of what we do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Tess, I know something that you are a really huge part of um, has really been, you know, again, the Calebrity thing, really kind of bringing this element of um, uh, of fun and a little bit of a coolness to the operation. Um, in terms of your marketing strategy, can you tell us just a little bit about how you kind of approach that? How do you take um, obviously, we want to be serious and informative with this kind of educational uh, part of our agritourism approach. But um, how did you kind of devise it? But let's also let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's have, let's make it fun for for kids, for people coming to a farm for a first time. How did how did you do that? Yeah, given the challenge of making dairy farm uh, dairy farming fun is <laughs> it's a steep hill to climb. So what so what we've decided? Thank you for to your do, honesty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like why in the world would you ever become did, a dairy? Did farmer? you have but that Todd conversation Jones, with with Todd, Todd? Todd, what are you asking me to do? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can be. Yeah, I, I love a challenge. So thank you, Todd, for that. Um, so what we, you know, 4-H and FFA have been a huge part of our lives when we we were growing up. And that yeah. is where Todd and I could find our own pers- pursuits, our own passions, our own understanding and love for far- for farming and for livestock and uh, genetic progression being mm. one of the best in, in what we do. So um, obviously that's something we can do as adults, but when you're younger, we want to um, expose that to young people to see you know, how, what is your passion? Obviously it's not going to be farming and we don't think it's going to be farming, but it's f- seeing a 12 year old's project grow into what it is now mm-hmm. and then do things that have never been done before, like a farmstead way vodka where public can come every weekend and see the manufacturing, see the celebrities, all of that. So what could you do as a young person if you pursued your, your passions? And so all our, all our kid tours K through college are free. 
We also get uh, several calls for, for college students who want to do internships because we do so much manufacturing in the dairy products and the beverages. So yeah. um, we're always open to sharing what we've learned over our span of time from 4-H to now. And we also want to invite that for free for other young people. So please, if you if you are in an education institution or a homeschooling institution, we would love to get a DM or an email. Mm. Love to have you guys out because um, this was based on a 12-year-old's dream. He didn't realize that at 12, but look mm -hmm. what it could grow into. And so offering that oppor opportunity to imagine, to envision your own life that way at 12 or 15 or 20 or whatever it is, yeah. is what yeah. we want to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one last question I wanted to ask you about before we get into uh, talking about the the new Farmstead Distillery um, is the cheese making and the um, ice cream uh, uh, aspect, the creamery aspect. Uh, Todd, you mentioned that started back in 2016 was was kind of the the roots of that. Tell me about how that. Um, uh, just a little bit of the history of that. I know that involves some family members as well. Um, and just, uh, th that's a big deal. I love your guys' cheese that you won awards for it. Um, let's talk just a little bit about how that came out, even though it's not the new news that we also want to talk about, right? Sure. So the, in 2016, I mean, we kind of, uh, started in, I guess the end of 2014, um, kind of looking at some different options of what we wanted to do at the farm. Um, Shauna is my sister and she's the head cheese maker right now. And Mark, my brother, He's um, what we call the CDO, um, so Chief Dairy Officer. Yeah. So he's the main uh, he's the main man with dealing with all the cows and and making and and making sure they're uh, doing their best thing and living their best life. Um, so we decided um, back then we wanted to try and go uh, build the cheese plant. Sean was interested in making cheese, and so we started the process. Then, um, 2016, we opened and started making cheese. Um, you know, Shauna does a fantastic job making cheese. She won a silver medal in Italy with uh, the garlic yeah. dill cheese curds. Yeah, um, well deserved. And, and, yeah, yes. and 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 that's amazing, especially with uh, you know just entering the market really, you know, soon. So, and then Mark does a fantastic job with the cows. I mean, that's really the real, you know, that that's where it starts. You have to yeah. really quality milk to go into a cheese making process. And, and if you're not taking good care of your cows, you can't make a good cheese. So yeah. um, that's really the main, the, you know, always been our main focus is take care of the cows and they'll take care of you. Yeah. And um, so really that was the driver to what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also say Mark and Shauna, I think also do a, a really good job of kind of uh, what we've also talked about, but as far as uh, you know, doing community outreach, uh, talking to people on the farm and kind of explaining things. I know Mark has come to Rotary and done stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah. and does a really good, good, uh, great job with that as well. Tessa, anything to add there? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think um, TMK has a platform of being involved in their community in several, mm. in that those are several different tentacles. And I think Mark yeah. and Shauna are a huge impact of the, of infiltrating our community because they grew up in Canby, they graduated high school in Canby, and they and they want to see their community grow and um and just be better. And so offering their time and their resources at TMK to help young people again is exactly where they want to be and where what TMK was created for. Yeah, yeah, really culturing the Canby community exactly. with the, with the TMK germ. 
if, uh, if that metaphor. Yeah. yeah, there you go. All right. Well, last year, uh, you guys had some really big news. You opened, and I know it had been in the work for a few years, um, and we'll talk about that, but opened, uh, as far as we know, right, the, the nation's first fully um, on-site farmstead distillery um, for uh, creating a, a really uh, well-received and kind of top-shelf vodka out of whey that is one of the traditional byproducts that comes out of the cheese-making process. Um, as, as we've, uh, as you kind of alluded, I think, Tessa, when you are talking earlier, it was something that sort of made sense and really kind of fit into a few different things. It made sense for the business. You had this uh, byproduct. What do we do with it? It kind of made sense with your um, overall sort of marketing and business approach of trying new things, of doing things that are a little different and kind of cool and reaching different um, segments of the the marketplace where maybe, oh, I'm not a big cheese fan, but I really like to drink or, you know, I, I'll try I'll try anything that has alcohol in it. So um, tell us a little bit about where that idea kind of came from and what the process has been like to bring that to life. Yeah, so when you open a farmstead creamery, it turns out cheese isn't really that sexy until you make vodka out of the milk. So <laughs> yeah. what, what, So once we came up with the old alcohol idea, we're like, okay, now we're perking people's ears. Yeah. And we're getting more people out at TMK to understand where your food and beverage comes from. So really, it, it is a great product. Obviously, uh, MASH.com named us top 30 in the world for vodkas. Yeah. Yeah. Never thought that would happen, um, especially how new the product is to the market. And so, um, it, but it comes, besides being high quality vodka, it comes with a great story of Todd and his siblings. Um, Todd and his siblings are first generation dairy farmers, which is just unheard of in this day and age because of the infrastructure and the resources you need to build a dairy farm. So um, with Calcohol, you reach a whole other demo, but also a whole other interest. And that that's exactly what TMK wants to do, is try to find every demo that we can reach reach into and, and get people interested in um, where your food comes from, where your beverage comes from, but also the uniqueness of this product of you can, doesn't matter how small you are or how wealthy you are or how poor you are, you can create something that's never been created before if you have the drive, if you have the perseverance. And having that example for young people we thought would be beneficial. Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, or no. that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't like animal related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest running locally owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off 
That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm... I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. So I think the the Calcol concept came, you know, through um, Oregon State, and it really came as a uh, uh, it, it was a, a mechanism or a way to uh, make way more environmentally friendly to dispose of. Okay. You know, so it would make it a better product to get rid of if you ran it through fermentation and distillation. Mm-hmm. And from that standpoint, we were like, okay, this is a no-brainer because we're able to create another product from the original raw ingredient that we start with milk and we're making it better for the environment as far as getting rid of. And so from that standpoint, we were like, you know, it it just, it totally makes sense to uh, save the planet and drink alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll dispose of some of that for you. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Let me take care of that. Cycle that waste. Um. The distillation process uh, of really kind of figuring out um, uh, not just do we how do we turn this into alcohol? I mean, that's a pretty basic formula, but how do we turn this into something that's uh, really quality and and drinkable and enjoyable to to an end consumer? Um, how did you crack that nut? <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't easy. I mean, yeah, it, it should be easy because, I mean, people have figured out for um, for eons, how if something has sugar that we can ferment it and distill it to get a lick, you know, to get alcohol. Right. So, I mean, we thought it would be easier than it actually was. Lactose is a really tough, um, sugar to ferment. Oh, okay. Um, so that took some process to get that figured out because it's not a simple sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other process was creating a still that could manage the way the fermented way you know, with the lipids and the proteins that still remain to not scorch it. And so we spent, um, you know, probably a good part of, you know, two, two and a half years working on designing a still with hurricane distillation systems Mm -hmm. to um, create a system that would work and create a high quality product because we didn't want to do it if we couldn't create a product that was really good. And so, but we did think that it was important to, do this product because of the one the environmental part of it and then creating you know calcohol we thought was pretty awesome to showcase the calibrities and you know another product that they're directly responsible for we're creating and putting on the planet yeah yeah absolutely and and i love the uh, like you talked about kind of the 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 um eco-friendly aspect of it as well i think is really cool um, is this something that, um, you know, because, uh, the, the, the farmstead model that you guys have, um, for, for all other aspects of your business as well, um, you guys are the first kind of commercial, uh, use of this, but is this something that when you kind of look back in history, um, that maybe 
pioneers or early settlers might have done as well. Uh, maybe not to the quality and with the uh, technology that you guys have. Uh, but is this something that's really brand new to us? Or is this something that uh, might have been done in the past in a different kind of way? No, it's been done in the past and yeah. in a long time ago. I mean, I think thousands of years ago. Yeah, did. mare's milk. They would just set really? mare's milk out it, outside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, cool. I mean, yeah. yeah. So the fermentation part of it's, you know, a tough part, but, and then distillation, but from, uh, for a creamery, it, it's important for a small creamery like our size that, um, it, it, we don't have access to the opportunities of way of drying way. And most way gets dried to be used in different products, whey protein products and stuff like that. So um, because we're so small, we didn't have those opportunities. So we wanted to come up with a better way to deal with our, you know, with the way that we create. Better way. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's <laughs> kind intended. of, yeah. And that's kind of where it ended up. It was like, yeah. this is an opportunity to really create this and do a good job. If we can do a good job, we're, we're, you know, making a good product and creating uh, a environmentally friendly way to dispose of the byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. I know it um, maybe feels a little out of left field to some people, but when you really think about it, I mean, they make vodka out of potatoes and make tequila out of cactuses or something. At least milk is already a liquid. <laughs> At least it's already a drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's the new year. It's officially 2023. Um, is there anything you guys are kind of focusing on this year? Anything, anything new potentially coming down the pike or just anything you want to share about what's happening at TMK? Well, I think that, you know, the real thing is that we're really um, ramping up production with the cow call. We're nice. really trying to get um, um, our uh, a fulfillment center set up to where we can ship across the country. Cool. Um, so that, that is really kind of our focus. And we want to be uh, um, real intentional about getting that word out and getting uh, um, more people to visit the farm to uh, see the see the entire process. And I mean, I think that's... Yeah. You know, we wanted to have the, originally we started with the contract distillery, but then we were like, you know, people need to see this on farm because they need to recognize that the cows are the ones that create the mm. sugars that we're fermenting. So bringing the distillery back to the farm was, um, was important to us. And so I think this year we want to be showcasing that and uh, letting people see the whole process from uh, start to start to end. Awesome. We also we also have a lot of activities uh, starting up and continuing on from last year. So we're doing a lot more charcuterie classes where you can learn to make your own charcuterie board. We're also going to be starting some cocktail classes like a date night kind of thing or just fun team building event where you can come out and um, learn crazy new cocktails with alcohol or any vodka of your choice, actually. And so. Um, also, we do milking with Mark on Friday nights, so people can buy a ticket and experience uh, hands-on milking cows and feeding cow, cow junior cow liberties. So That's always, awesome. uh, always be checking our Facebook, our Instagram website. Um, always going to be doing some sort of activities throughout the month, every month. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that website, uh, tmkcreamery.com, uh, when you go on there, there's a little pop-up to sign up for the newsletter and tons of information. Great website for folks to check out um, on social media. You've got obviously TMK Creamery and TMK Distillery, if you're more interested in that sexier aspect of uh, yeah. what they got going on over there. TM um, we like to call it TMK After Hours. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it does. It has like the, the black and white logo as well. That's very, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, 
So yeah, anything else to share or anything else you want folks to check out? Oh, always uh, come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Please come and check us out. Um, yeah. We're always going to be adding new new things to do and see at the farm. Um, we have a lot of things in the works with construction projects and that kind of thing. So um, just whenever you have a chance, please come check us out. Cool. Todd, Tessa Cook, thank you guys so much for taking time out to talk to us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in uh, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe. And we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though.